The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Mr. Axel Fuentes. He is the executive director of the Rural Community Workers Alliance. He is based in Milan, Missouri, and he has been helping the workers at the Smithfield plant in Milan, and he has exposed the working conditions in that plant. We want all meat eaters to understand where their meat comes from. Welcome, Mr. Fuentes. It's an honor to have you. Thank you so much, Melinda, for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, I think it's very important for people to know the conditions under which their meat is produced and for us to explore alternatives if those conditions don't meet our expectations for treating workers humanely and animals kindly. So tell me something. How did you come to this country and come to work in the Smithfield plant in Milan, Missouri? Well, Melinda, I don't really work in the plant. Mm-hmm. I do work organizing the workers okay. that are working in the plant for over a decade being in this area. Mm-hmm. And I have heard many, many stories from the workers, and which is something that I'm going to be based on. So whatever I'm going to tell you is going to be based in the real life and real stories from workers from a pork processing plant, which is located in this uh, small community, which is about uh, 2,500 people lives in, in Milan. And this plant is the biggest employer in the community and in the surrounding uh, communities too. So a lot of the workers from this plant are coming from uh, different small communities around uh, Sullivan County, Missouri. How did you get involved in the Rural Community Workers Alliance? What was it that led you to this group and this work? We founded the Rural Community Workers Alliance at the end of 2013. I was working before for another organization as a community organizer, but we founded Rural Community Workers Alliance due to the need of immigrant workers in this area. So after conducting a big listening process in the community and among the workers from the plant, we found out that was a big need of having a group that can advocate and can educate and can give some kind of tools to the workers to be empowered to stand up for their rights. So after all of those stories that we hear, uh, we thought it was necessary to have an organization in this area to defend and to do something for those vulnerable groups in the region. Tell me the kinds of working conditions that the Smithfield plant workers are under. And we can talk about 
our situation as being pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19, because I think the situation has changed a bit. But there were worker violations before COVID-19. What were some of those problems within the Smithfield plant? Yes, I'm going to talk about the pre-COVID-19 and during COVID-19, and I don't know what is going to happen post-COVID-19, if uh, there is a point when COVID-19 is going to be away. Mm. But on those uh, 12 years that I've been here, I hear different, different kinds of issues and stories from the workers, starting since workers being discriminated uh, due to the race, passing by the speed of line, lack of bathroom breaks, and uh, many other issues that these workers are facing, especially exposing health and safety. Mm-hmm. So let me start with uh, one of the issues that we've been dealing all this time is something that workers call the speed of line, which is no more than uh, the number of pieces of meat that workers have to elaborate per minute. Obviously, these companies are producing food in mass. That means are processing food in mass, so which means a lot. So the company in Milan, before the COVID-19, was processing about uh, 10,500 hogs per day. So they were killing 10,500 hogs per day in uh, eight hours. With a workforce, there's over a 1,000 people working this plant. And obviously, that's a lot of hogs being killed, and the speed of line have to run very fast. So workers cannot keep up with the speed of line because uh, uh, they have to work really, really fast, which put the workers in a high risk of suffering repetitive motion injuries or suffering accidents. I have here from workers that have been stabbed in their hands because they are working close to each other, shoulder to shoulder. And uh, also, this speed of line is putting also the meat or the food on risk of getting contaminated. Right. Because workers, in many cases, they don't even have the chance to clean up if they see something dirty or a like, story that I hear in many cases is, for example, abscess. Oh. When the meat is bringing abscess, and if an abscess is getting cut on the conveyor belt, more meat is passing by, and workers are not having enough time to clean up after the abscess getting cut. So this is a risk for the meat getting contaminated. Right. Or also, I hear stories from workers that if they are sweating, they do not have the time to dry up their faces or, the, or their hair if they are sweating, so all that sweat is falling on the meat. Yeah. I hear actually also stories, especially now from the COVID-19, that if workers are sneezing or workers are coughing and do not having enough time to cover their, their mouth or do not having enough time to grab a tissue to clean their faces. And this is all due because the speed of line is too high. 
Right. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, just to get an idea. Now, I know that when we spoke together years ago, the line speed was a problem. As you described, you know, there might be a piece of meat that had an abscess on it. They don't have adequate time to take care of that. But it's my understanding that the USDA was actually going to allow the companies to increase the line speed even greater than what it had been before, and it had been too fast before. Well, obviously, that is going to be that is going to increase more the risk of the meat getting contaminated. It's obvious that if uh, if they increase the speed of line and we do not have enough inspectors, there is not going to be a chance that the meat is going to be totally clean. Yeah. And as I said before, you know, putting the example of the abscess, I hear this story many, many times up here, and also when the meat is bringing, for example, metal shaving that can be potentially dangerous for people's health or safety, if it's metal going in the meat, and if there is not enough inspectors, we cannot ensure that the consumer is getting a product, a good quality product. How would the metal shavings get into the meat? Metal shavings get, uh, because sometimes these are metal chains, or there is a lot of metal in these companies, and the friction sometimes is stripping out uh, metal with metal. And it's not only metal, but it's also industrial grease that keeps the chain working and lubricated. I see. So I hear metal shaving also sometimes when it's a friction on the soles, or for any reason can come metal shaving to the to the meat. That's a story that I hear from few workers in, on the line. Mr. Fuentes, if I'm working on the line... I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a meat plant worker. And if I'm working, say, an eight-hour shift, how many bathroom breaks am I allowed to have? And what if I have an emergency and I have to step off the line? Is that allowed? That's another issue that we hear in this company. Workers do not have bathroom breaks. I hear stories from workers that have to urinate or defecate on themselves because they were not allowed to take bathroom breaks. The company argues that they are giving bathroom breaks, but it's on a schedule. Workers can have a 15-minute break in the morning, and then the lunch break, they have 30-minute break. And then afternoon, sometimes they get if they are going to be working more than eight hours. But if they work only eight hours, they don't get the bathroom break. Uh, that means the break, regular, on a special break in the afternoon. And uh, if, as you said, if you have an emergency or if, if you are sick that day from the stomach, I hear from many workers that they request a bathroom break. And uh, it's just the break is being denied. And uh, the company took a step that they said that they were going to find a solution for that, and they started uh, to make the workers to sign up in a sheet. Whoever needs to go to the bathroom needs to sign up on the sheet. But in many cases, 
there is no one to cover their faces. And if there is no one to cover the place of the person that needs to go to the bathroom, so that person cannot leave the work line. Because if they leave the work line, it's being considered job abandoning. And they can get reprehended for that. So if nobody is coming to replace that person, so that person is not going to be able to go to the bathroom. Right. And I hear stories from women on their period that they just get dirty up there. That means they are breathing there. And I hear stories actually from workers that have take the option of wearing diapers because they know that that is really hard to get a bathroom break. Yeah. I hear stories from workers that they decided to do not take a medicine that they're supposed to take because they have to drink water. And if they drink water, then they cannot go to the bathroom. Mm. And a bathroom break is something that you cannot tell the body. You cannot program the body to go on a schedule. Right. Uh, if, when the meal comes, you have to do. But uh, I hear stories from workers that they sign up the sheet, but uh, they don't get someone to replace them until after an hour or 45 minutes after they needed to go to the bathroom. So it's a terrible thing. It's shameful. Well, we need to take a break. We're halfway through. I want to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Mr. Axel Fuentes. He's the executive director of the Rural Community Workers Alliance. He works with laborers who are working for the Smithfield plant in Milan, Missouri, Milan, Missouri is home to one of many Smithfield plants. They've been in the news lately, along with other meat processing plants, because of the COVID-19 outbreak. And suddenly we are going into the plants and we're seeing these horrific working conditions through a new lens, and that is with regard to viral disease and spread. And I do just want to say that Smithfield Foods is a U.S. company, so its headquarters is based in Virginia, It is an independent subsidiary of the WH Group of China, however. So even though you may hear that it's an American meat processing company, it is owned by China. The other issue that I want to bring up is that most of the workforce, I understand, Mr. Fuentes, would be an immigrant workforce. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. In my land, demographics changed since the establishment of this plant in the community, which was in 1995, as I understand and as I have heard from people in the community, before 1995, there were only two Latino families in the area. But after the company came to the area, more Latinos came due to the company. And there was a time when about close to 50% of the community were actually Latinos. And about uh, four or five years ago, there was another change with Africans, when Africans started to come to the community. And now it's a very diverse community in my land. And uh, the workforce in the plant, yes, is mostly immigrants from different countries, if we talk Latin America from Guatemalans, Salvadorians, Hondurians, Mexicans, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, 
couple of Colombians, couple of Equatorians also. And from Africa, we have people from mainly from Congo. We have people from Senegal, Guinea, Eritrea, and Ghana, and uh, Ethiopians too. So it's very diverse up here. So, Mr. Fuentes, how are these individuals recruited? You know, there's been such a, a national outcry against letting immigrants in, and yet it seems to me that these processing plants are so dependent upon this workforce that is largely, from the stories I hear through you and through other articles in the press, that this is a largely exploited workforce. How are these individuals recruited? How does Smithfield get the workers here in the first place? Well, as I understand in the past, when the company came to the area, they had their recruiters all over the nation, and they were recruiting people everywhere, in Virginia, in Texas, in California, everywhere, and uh, making the people to sign up, or offering the jobs up there, and then they brought uh, big groups of workers from there to my land. Mm. And uh, with Africans, I think Africans are coming more because they are getting, in the same way, they are getting offers of jobs somewhere else, and after some families came, so those families are bringing more friends, are bringing more people that they know to the community. But at this point, I will say that probably 70% of the workforce in my land is actually formed by immigrants. So with the clampdown on immigration, are these processing plants having a problem recruiting or getting workers into the plant? Yes, they are always lacking of workers. That's what I hear. The plant is all the time recruiting people, and in many cases are having also problems completing the workforce because a lot of the people that actually are coming to work up here, they cannot stand or they cannot uh, keep up with the, with the jobs since it's a very hard work, and they leave, and it's hard for the company to replace those workers. Hmm. You'd think that would put the workers in a pretty good place for negotiation. And so I want to jump up now to the COVID-19 case, because here we are. We are a country that's basically been locked down. There have been abuses in the plants where the workers don't have adequate personal protection equipment. They didn't have adequate personal protection equipment years ago, but now they especially need it even more. So they don't have adequate personal protection. There are supposedly plastic dividers in order to have safe distancing as recommended by the CDC. And you were explaining to me when we had a, an earlier discussion that the plastic dividers may not be at the right height for the workers and they may not be effective. Yes, uh, I can tell you before before April 2nd or April 2, the company was not taking any kind of measures to protect workers. It took the workers to come together and approach management to request some kind of protection. It was until them came together and sent a letter to management. It was until then when the company started to take some measures. 
such as providing hand sanitizers and installing plastic dividers on the cafeteria tables and on the work line. It was until April 7th when the company actually, when the workers went back to work and they found out that the company had already installed some plastic dividers on the work line. But on April on April 15, still workers were not working in the plant wearing masks. So the company was not providing masks to the workers. It was until April 15. And that was because the workers were coming together and an article ran in the newspaper and the lawsuit was being filed too. So for this company to provide some kind of protection for workers took a lawsuit, took a court order, which now is the first and the only one company in the United States, the only one plant that was ordered by the court to follow CDC guidelines. What are the CDC guidelines in particular? Just following physical distancing, wearing the masks, hand washing, and I have to tell you that the company is not allowing the workers to go often to wash their hands. Yes, they are disinfecting. So they have a person that is uh, spraying their hands and every 15 minutes, uh, according to, the, to what I hear from the workers, but they are not having enough time to go to wash their hands. So... In that situation, I have to say, too, that the workers are wearing gloves, and that's why they are disinfecting. But uh, uh, regarding the plastic dividers, I spoke with a worker, if I'm not wrong, it was on Tuesday, actually Wednesday. By Wednesday, they still, workers pointing me an area, and they told me in a specific area where... There were not installed plastic dividers yet, and workers were only a feet apart of each other. So they are still working shoulder to shoulder. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, that is not something that is going to change. If it's going to change, I don't know when, but these companies are not going to change the, the spicing out there of working shoulder to shoulder. Apparently, just this is, is being accepted the plastic as a divider. Mm-hmm. But yes, as you were saying before, I hear from some workers that the face of the plastic was not covering completely the face of the workers. Right. So it's then the company provided some face shield. Mm. But still, locker rooms still remain crowded by workers. Uh, they've been trying to fix the problem in the hallways which was a problem also by the time where the workers have to clock in and out. So where the clocks are, the workers get crowded there. And still now, I hear on the locker room, so they are still getting crowded there. Even when the company is measuring the temperature also at the entrance, uh, there is uh, some areas where the, the workers actually get still crowded. And... Um, the company have said that they have to wear masks all the time. At the beginning, when they started to distribute masks, 
they said that the mask has to last for eight days for the oh whole week. Gosh. But then they change it and uh, and they are replacing the masks every day now. So workers are getting the masks replaced. So if all they have to do is just go and ask for a, a mask for every day. So every day the company is providing new masks. So these meat these meat plants are seen as pockets of high contamination in terms of individuals getting sick, getting infected with the coronavirus. And I'm a little concerned that there aren't enough protections for the workers. If someone does get sick, where do they go to get treatment? And is it easy for them to maintain a two-week quarantine? To get health care, there is a hospital in Milan. And also the workers can go to Kirksville, which is the closest, uh, bigger town in the area. They can go to the health care providers in Kirksville, too. I don't know at this moment how many tests have been performed in Milan. Uh, I don't have a number. At least... As far as I know, has not been a positive case right now, but obviously there is a lot of uh, concern from the workers because since the kids are not going to the school, so they've been finding uh, babysitters or other families to take care of the kids, and uh, they are concerned that the kids can bring the virus uh, to their houses or from the, their houses to the babysitter's houses. So it's a, a big concern regarding how this virus can be spread in the whole community and in the surrounding communities. I have to tell you that the still workers remain crowded in these areas, and it's easy to to this virus to to get to spread. Right. I don't know if you have hear about the other plants like St. Joseph of South Dakota, Iowa, everywhere. This plant is is not like you are going to find two or three cases and that's all. No, when a case is there, I mean, dozens or or hundreds of workers are going to get infected. Right. For those that are that are getting infected, yes, there is a quarantine. They can get in quarantine now. The company offers that. Uh, they are going to get paid if they have to be in quarantine before before the workers came together and the company said that they were not going to pay. But now they are. And they actually offer, a, offer also a 500 bonuses now, which is actually conditioned and it's pretty much forcing the workers to attend to work because a lot of the workers will prefer to stay at home. I haven't talked to many, many workers, and they they said that they will prefer to lose the salaries or lose the money for the, the lose the paychecks, but they are more concerned for their sales and safety. Exactly. And, well, Mr. You know, Fuentes, we're going to have to close because we're out of time, but I want to thank you very much for bringing these issues forward so that people can understand exactly what's going on in these meat processing plants. I'll provide a link to a couple of articles to further inform our listeners about the conditions in meat processing plants. 
But in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank Mr. Axel Fuentes, Executive Director of the Rural Community Workers Alliance, for bringing these issues to all of us to understand really what's going on behind those brand names and package labels. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melinda.